0: Powered through the Alaska Airlines studios. This is Bump and Stacy
1: on Seattle Sports. Sports. Streaming through the Seattle Sports app.
0: Now, here are your hosts, Michael Bumpus and Stacy Ross.
2: Here we go now. Don't forget the John Schneider Show debuts today at 4 p.m. with Wyman and Bob. The Seahawks GM will join the show every Thursday between now and the first round of the NFL Draft. You can catch John Schneider today, today, the debut of it, 4 p.m. with Wyman and Bob. All right, let's switch gears here, going from Seahawks to the Pac-12 important news. Uh, Nigel Burton, Pac-12 Network Analyst, joining us now in the Emerald Queen Casino to talk about it, what you guys need to know. Ohio State canceled. It's 2024-2025 series with Washington. Nigel, we are so happy to have you on. Welcome, and I got to know your immediate reaction to that news yesterday.
1: Well... You know obviously i think I think everybody's disappointed. I think Husky fans are disappointed. I think Ohio State fans are disappointed um, because that was gonna be a national showdown uh you know that we were looking forward to and twenty twenty four and twenty twenty five I apologize for breathing hard i I just ran upstairs to you know be able to. Ah! Yeah. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not in, I'm still. in bumpish shape. So I'm still, uh,
3: <laughs> You're you know, good, I'm
1: some LDs, uh, I'm not in bumpish shape yet. So not that I ever will be, but, uh, no, I think everybody's bummed. I think everybody's down because look, it, this hits on, on a bunch of different levels. One, it was a national show that everybody's going to be looking forward to across the country. You know, obviously you've got two power conferences and the teams that are, you know, uh, upper echelon in both of those conferences. And, two teams looking to, you know, make a move, especially by that time when we're talking about you know, team playoff. Both those teams would be looking to, 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 you know, to use that game to, to launch their their campaign to get in. And now, you know, they're, they're, that's gone. I, I think it's particularly tough for UW. And speaking as a guy who had to schedule games uh, in Portland, Oregon, and trying to come up with a way to entice teams to come way out here, Uh, When you just don't have a lot of options and uh, you know, Jen Cohen is going to earn her paycheck trying to convince someone to pass over a bunch of different, you know, all the other options that other teams are going to have to come to Seattle and play a home at home uh, from a power five, you know, a power five team. So yeah, it's a, it's, it, it, it's going to bum out Ohio state fans it's. I'm not going to use the word disastrous, but it is It is a significant, significant um, problem for, for the University of Washington.
4: Nigel, when you look at this situation, does it feel personal? It feels personal to me. It feels like <laughs> UCLA, USC has something to do with this. They said, look, man, we want all the shine. Don't go over there and give the conference that we carried for so many years – any type of shine, and then I look at Ohio State and I go, "Man, be your own man, stand your own too." Well, does it feel personal right. to you?
1: Hey, bump! I got Gene Smith's number, bro. I've, I've known Gene since I was in college, so if you want to, you want to highlight him, you know? I can ask <laughs> you the cell and just let me, me take the conversation. Good luck it, with it can that can one. Bro. Right yeah. <laughs> uh, I did actually think about hitting Gene up and, and with the with the old WTH like right. <laughs> this morning, like you know, uh, you know, I, I don't think UCLA and, UCLA and USC had much of anything to do with it. To be honest with you, I think what it really came down to is, look from Ohio State's perspective, what's the benefit? Yeah. You're going to go. You're going to go across the country to play in a place where, yes, you've had some recruiting pay dirt. Now, I mean, obviously with JT and, you know, you go down the list of guys who um, are from Seattle that are on that team that are major players for that team, but it's not one of your recruiting, you know, stomping grounds. You now have this trip to L.A. that is not Purdue. It ain't Northwestern. It's not the, you know, Indianas and the ragamuffins of the Big Ten. You're going to go to L.A. and you're going to have to play somebody who can knock you off. And so the idea of them coming out and playing in a place like Husky Stadium, which is tough for anybody to go to, um, let alone, you know, for a team from the Big Ten, I I can see that there just wasn't a whole lot of benefit to them versus the risk, the risk of coming out and and getting embarrassed and now having to fight an uphill battle of, you know, possibly having to go undefeated or, you know, not being able to have a a blemish in in the Big Ten Um, for them, you know. And and, and look, this is what's going to happen in college football. Now, here's a saving grace, I think, for a lot of Husky fans. Do not be surprised if you see this happening across the Big Ten in a lot of their non-conference opponents in in future schedules. Because now as teams start to see, okay, we're going to already be on the West Coast, any showdowns they have to come out here may not make sense for them. So you might have the opportunity to pick up – uh, a, a different, uh, a different uh, game in 2024 and 2025 because other teams are gonna are gonna back out. This is the state of college football. Let me take you back to Alabama. Yeah, I know I'm giving you a long-winded answer bump, but I was thinking about this this morning. Alabama had not played a non-conference road game in something like 14 years. Right? They kept doing those quote-unquote, uh, you know. Uh, What are they called? You know, where where it's not at your house and it's not at my house. You know, it's a neutral site, site, right? Where they kept doing these neutral site games where they would play, you know, uh, USC in Atlanta. Mm -hmm. Like somehow that's neutral site, right? (laughs) So Alabama hadn't done it, and then all of a sudden they get the bright idea: let's go to Texas, okay? And they basically should have been beat because going on the road is hard. Going on the road far is even harder. So you think about Alabama went to Texas, almost lost for the mm-hmm. first time that they even thought about leaving the state of Alabama to play a, a non league game against a Texas team who you dub beat in the state of Texas. Yep. So I think the whole everybody in college football that's a, that considers themselves to be a power who has a chance to win the national championship, and then they're trying to figure every marshmallow, cupcake, soft non conference schedule they can give themselves because they realize it. Yeah. Committees have only cared about wins and losses. They have not necessarily cared about uh, strength of schedule unless you're a TCU or somebody who's not a blue blood.
2: Yeah, see, Nigel, that's where I'm stuck is because you look at, you know, let's say that Washington isn't able to find a comparable opponent for 2024 and 2025. Then they're stuck trying to make their case for a college football playoff spot or trying to make their case for, you know, even a high ranking or something. And all they're going to get is knocked for playing cupcake opponents so to speak.
4: Yeah,
1: I mean, you're right. I mean, that's what happened back. You go back to 2016, and we all know the cupcake incident, right, all that kind of stuff. But um, the reality is you go undefeated in the conference, which nobody has done, you're in. You lose one game in the conference and go undefeated in your non-conference, you're probably in. You're going to be in, Um, especially now that the the playoff has been expanded um, to 12 teams. So I think they'll be okay in that aspect. The issue is going to be when it comes to seeding, right? That's where things are going to start to get murky because your first four teams are going to have buys. Your next uh, your next eight teams are going to all be jockeying for these home games. And so that's where, you know, your strength of schedule and some of these other things are going to come into play. And that's where teams like Washington, you know, uh, you know, Oregon's been able to kind of throw around Nike a little bit to get teams to come out there. Um, but a lot of these teams that, you know, consider themselves to to be in the hunt uh, for these, uh, you know, uh, for the playoff uh, that are on the West Coast are going to, the Utahs are going to, you know, really have a tough time. And, and you know, they're going to luck out next year to get Florida. Outside of that, you know, they're going to start running into some issues as well.
4: Nigel, what's the process like trying to fill a gap in the schedule so late? People don't realize 18, 19 months, man, at. I- that's pretty quick. Um, what's that process like, and how quickly do you think UW has jumped on this? Do they get the news and go right to work, or are they sitting back and processing this?
1: Oh, no. no! I've already talked to some people in the athletic department. I mean, they've gone to work, but, I mean, the reality is people make schedules 10 years in advance. So you are you basically get this matrix, right? So this is what I used to do. <laughs> you get this matrix, and it basically just tells you, like, all right, here are the, your open dates, and here are the open dates For everybody else in the country at the Division One level, whether it's FCS and FBS, the one AA and one A, and here are the teams that can possibly play you based on their schedules. You're going to look at that, and right now, you know, um, I'm ready. I'm going to send a bottle to to Jen's office because she's going to cry. There's nobody's going to have anything. It's going to be awful. The options are going to be terrible. So then you're trying to figure out, can you sell your soul? And, you know, you're like, all right, I don't really want a road game, but if I got to do that, I'll do that. But again, so then what you start to get into is you start calling the conference office and you say, Hey, can I move a game because I see that this school has this particular option and maybe we can move some things around when that time comes to allow us to make this work because I just got screwed over Mm -hmm. that In the short term, that could be a play. Now, again, I go back to, you know, something that that I had heard and and makes sense to me is do not be surprised if you see this start to happen throughout um, a bunch of different – happen to a bunch of different Power 5 teams, in particular on the West Coast, as we see UCLA and USC getting absorbed by the Big Ten, Big Ten opponents, you know, other opponents who are going to come out here now maybe don't see the advantage out. And so there, there, there's probably still some movement that's going to happen that hopefully will play into UW's favor. But um, in the short term, it, it's going to be painful.
2: You're right. It's painful in the short term. And I, I, I don't know how they, uh, they get onto a national stage in the short term, but uh, maybe a l- slightly more long term. How does the Pac-12 combat this? Like, how does the Pac-12, Nigel, combat USC and UCLA trying to keep their hold on West Coast recruiting?
1: Man, uh, well, well, uh, well. Okay, so let me back up. One thing you said there: are hold on West Coast recruiting. They don't have a hold on West Coast recruiting. Yeah. <laughs> start with right. that.
2: That's true. Uh, I
1: UCLA guess. <laughs> and USC have been awful, awful. Their recruiting classes have been awful. They there was actually if you put UCLA and USC's four and five star recruits together and combine them, they still are half of what Oregon signed in one class. Yeah. So. I mean, they don't own anything in terms of recruiting. That's not really the issue. Now, you did you did kind of uh, highlight a, a, a major problem for the Pac-12 is <clears throat> again we just don't have a lot of options out here, right? Mm-hmm. If you're in the SEC and you want to schedule a game, you're in the middle of America. You can get a Big Ten, ACCs right down the street. You know, if you, will, if you want, you know, FBS, but you don't necessarily want somebody who can beat you, you can go Conference USA, you can go, you know, you you, you, you different options. Out here, and, and, and those schools are all close. Matter of fact, you can say to them, hey, look, UAB, I'm going to pay you a million dollars to come to Auburn, a million dollars to come to Alabama, and you've got to get on a bus. Just come that day save the rest of your money you don't have to worry about planes renting out you know 737s you don't have to worry about hotel rooms you don't have to worry about any of that stuff you just come that day we smoke you you go home and collect a check <laughs> on the west coast that's not how it works you, what are your options if you're if you're washing it you have the mountain west conference and that's it you don't have anybody else with until you hit the state of texas uh, for 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 a a, a uh, for an FBS option, and then you know you go back to the expansion of the Big Twelve. You know, so what the Pac-12 tried to do going back, you now we're about ten years ago, they set up an alliance with the Big Ten and said, hey, let's do a scheduling alliance. Big Ten said, sure, we're in, right. Um, We're not as isolated as you, but we have, you know, this common history. By the way, we're going to screw you in about eight years, but don't worry (laughs) about it, right? And so you saw Michigan was scheduled to go play Utah. Um, You had Wisconsin was going to come play UW. You had this game with Ohio State. Well, as people started to see how the college football playoff, because this was still the, the end of the BCS era, the beginning of the college football playoff era, as they saw how the committee was playing out, that it wasn't about your script the schedule was just like, it was just this, it was this, this fable that was being told to these ADs that as they saw the reality, wasn't really true. All those schools were like, there's no benefit for me going out to Seattle and getting my teeth kicked in. So I'm out Wisconsin. I'm out. Michigan did the same thing to Utah. Um, and now we're seeing Ohio state do it. So, You know, what you try to do as a conference, you say, okay, maybe we can have some alliance with another conference so that we we can do some home and homes and and help fill up our schedule. By the way, every time I saw a team or I would see a writer complain about the Pac-12 having nine non-conference or nine conference games, I I wanted to send an email to every single one of them. Like, you don't know what you're talking about. You try to schedule on the West Coast. The nine conference games is, is about survival because you just can't get them. You can get some big sky teams, but you're not going to get a consistent – you're not going to get Power 5 teams to come out here consistently. So the, that ninth game is crucial to be able to get a Power 5 opponent onto your campus. So stop complaining about it. So, you know, it, it, when it's all said and done, you, you, you already blew up the thing with the Big Ten. You've got the Big 12 is actively trying to poach your team in the pac twelve. <clears throat> Excuse me. So it's not like the Pac twelve is going to go to the Big Twelve and be like, Hey, let's set up a scheduling, you know, uh, alliance. Like at this point, that's persona non grata with those dudes. So what are your options? I mean, right now you got maybe you could set up something with the ACC to try to help your teams, but it, it's um it's a it's a d it's a dire deal right now, for sure.
4: Naj now you look at twenty twenty three and UW's schedule, uh, they're going to Michigan State. Ranked teams are probably going to play Oregon, might be up there, SC, Utah. They're out of conference, Boise State, Tulsa, Michigan State. Is there enough here, you think, for these guys to make a push to get into the playoffs?
1: Oh yeah. Matter of fact it might be too much. I got I'd like can 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 we uh can we pull a, we gonna call it a buckeye from now on, whenever <laughs> I see you and I'm like, Hey man, let's go uh let's go meet up for dinner and they're like, ah, I'm gonna pull a buckeye. I means like I'm gonna tell you you <laughs> are going to dinner and then I'm just not gonna show up. That's what's that's what's gonna happen. We'll okay? Cancel an hour before uh,
2: Venmo you fifty bucks. Just it, hey yeah, sorry. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, like an hour before you're already on your way to the restaurant, everything. Okay. Um uh, so you know uh at this point I would love to pull a buckeye on either Tulsa or Boise State to be honest with you because uh that that schedule is loaded. Boise State should be ranked going into next season. You know, Tulsa is just uh Tulsa's just a tough out, you know, um historically now, you know, maybe you catch them on a down year. But Tulsa's had some teams that could come and get you, uh especially if you're not playing well. Um, obviously Michigan state's going to be tough. Um, but again, you look at the conference right now and I, you know, I've been, you know, you hit me up when you saw the two, four, seven sports deal I did. And, you know, I'm getting hit up from around the country now because the PAC 12 is like, we're hot. Like we, you know, we, we right now See, I ain't trying to offend anybody. I'm just trying to be funny. Okay, but we're kind of like that girl who, you know, like, you know, we were friends with all the guys and, you know, we had glasses and things. But now all of a sudden, like everybody's looking at us different. (laughs) That's how the comp, that's how like everybody in the country is looking at the Pac-12 like. Yo, like you see what's going on over there? Yeah, like SC's got the reigning Heisman Trophy winner, and Washington's got the you know nation's leading passer, and and uh, you know Oregon's got Bo Nix coming back, and and what do you mean Cam Rising and everybody at Utah's coming back too, and and wait DJ Mwangilele is transferred to Oregon State, and and UCLA just signed the number one quarterback in the country, and wait wait Deion Sanders just showed up to Colorado. Like what the heck is going on out
4: there? Right.
1: And so right now, there's just so much attention. And people are like, dude, the Pac-12 is going to be real this year. All it, Now what it has to take, we got to put our money where our mouth is. we got to win these non-conference yeah. games. Yeah. And if we do, we ain't got nothing to worry about. Everything's good. And then it's just going to come down to us just beating up on each other.
2: All right. He is Pac-12 network analyst Nigel Burton, kind enough to join us to tell us the latest, what we need to take away uh, from uh, this Ohio State-Washington news. Thanks so much, Nigel.
1: Thanks, Nigel. Yeah, of course, of course. See, look, look, bump. We did a show. I didn't give you any coo jokes. I didn't <laughs> message you at all.
2: Like, you
4: did. Thing is good. It, didn't,
2: it felt incomplete yeah. though.
4: Nah, because you, you you had a message to get out there. So uh, you know you were you were focused on on you, duh. But I uh, I'll catch you next week, homie. <laughs> <laughs>
3: All right, you guys have a good one. All right, man, take Thanks, care. Thanks,
2: Nigel. This hour of Bump and Stacey's brought to you by Advanced Air Restoration. Let's get to four down territory.
1: This, this is four down territory. Going inside, inside the, the game, game.
4: what former Seahawks and Coug wide receiver Michael First
2: Bumpus? is now the OC with the Bucks. What type of offenses are we going to see in Tampa?
4: I think we're going to see balance. He's seen a good offensive attack when it comes to rushing and passing the ball over here with Seattle. He's got two tight ends you can count on. Them. You got Cameron Bray. You got K. knock You got two receivers. You got Mike Evans. You got Chris Godwin. You got two running backs. You got Rashad Wright, the rookie, and you have Leonard Fournette, who also caught for about a receiver 400 yards. I think he's going to try to be balanced, but it starts with the quarterback. So he's going to go after Geno. He's going to go after Drew. But I think he's learned a lot over here in Seattle. He has seen it all. A balanced offense is going to be his goal.
2: Second down. Bump, I've been told you want to talk about the XFL for the second time yeah. in as many days. Why?
4: XFL, because they're doing things. You know what they're allowing?
2: Uh, I do, actually.
4: They're allowing a coach one challenge a game as long as you have a timeout on anything. Yep. Anything, no restrictions. You can say, man, that referee's fit is too tight, man. Let's go to the re- uh, review. And say, you need a looser fit. shirt, sir. But there's some things that you can't challenge in the NFL. You can't challenge if a PAT or, or a field goal, if the ball goes over the uprights and doesn't make contact, if it's in or not. You can't challenge a spot of the ball when, when it's in the air, like it's going out of bounds and where they mark the football. Um, you can't challenge the position of a football when a guy has lost forward momentum and went out of bounds. There are some things that you just can't do. The XFL is saying, you know what? Freedom's over here. Coaches, you get one of these things, but you better one use a wisely on anything you want. I'm mad at it. I like it.
2: Third down. All right, let's head back to Tampa. With Dave Canales off to Tampa, who do you feel will be the next coach in the Hawks staff to move on and get a promotion?
4: Get a promotion is the key. You got to look at Carl Scott because he's on that defensive side and that secondary has been good. But I'm going to stick on offense and say, just like you mentioned, this offense has been better than what people give it credit for. So let's look at Andy Dickerson, offensive line coach, 17 years in the game. He's been a run game coordinator. He's been an offensive line coach. When you look at head coaches in the NFL, there's always some big boys, some offensive linemen who are running the show there. And then I look at Sanjay Lau. 15 years in the league, he's been a pass game coordinator. The way the game is going, you want a guy who's going to be able to read a defense and distribute the ball through the air. I look at those two and I'm saying, like, they might be next up, those three, I should say. You got Carl Scott, you got Andy Dickerson, you have Sanjay Laud. You know what's great about if Andy Dickerson and Sanjay? get, uh, I know, maybe it's Andy Jerkson and Carl Scott. Get if they get comp. a promotion? You get that comp. If they go oh, over to another yeah. team. You know, you get your 49ers deal going. You get that comp pick over there. So, if someone does move on, I think it's out of those three coaches.
2: And isn't Sanjay Lyle really popular with the players? Oh, like, they, wide receivers love Sanjay. DK
4: wanted Sanjay back. Yeah. He asked for him back.
2: Fourth down. Aye, yeah, aye, yeah, aye. Yeah. Pro Football Focus released an article highlighting each team's biggest draft mistakes over the years, I'm afraid, here. What does this list tell you about the Seahawks' past draft history? I'm
4: going to read you the list that they put together.
2: This is a Seattle's biggest mistakes.
4: Seattle's biggest mistakes. Okay. They say in 2018, Rasheem Green with a 79th pick. He ended up with uh, 13 sacks in four seasons. Mm-hmm. Jacob Martin in 2018 with pick 187, three sacks in one year. LJ Collier in 2019 mm-hmm. with a 19th pick recorded three sacks in four seasons. Demarcus Christmas, twenty nineteen, pick two oh nine, no a stats six at all.
2: Sixth rounder though.
4: You got Daryl Taylor, you got Boya okay. Mafe, you have Tyreek Smith on that list as well. Uh, Daryl Taylor, I think he's off this list now. I think you're getting something out of him. Boya Mafe, it's his first year. Tyreek
2: yeah. Smith was injured. Tyreek Smith was injured I don't exactly. Those three.
4: So they put this list together. The Seahawks might be great at evaluating quarterbacks. They they're pretty good at drafting receivers. You got a couple. I think they're all right at drafting running backs for the most part. Mm-hmm. They've has some bad luck. You look at this defensive line, you're saying they might not be great at evaluating defensive line, but they've also have not had a lot of uh, top picks. I think LJ Collier is their highest pick with pick 19. That's why I look at this draft and it puts even more pressure on them. We want them to address that defense. We want them to address that defensive line. With the number five pick, if they go with the defensive line, I think they can't be wrong. They yeah. cannot be be wrong. So this list says that PFF thinks that they don't draft defensive linemen well. I'm saying the Hawks, this is your year to correct that, but I, I disagree with Daryl Taylor. I think Boya Mafe still has some time to grow, and then we'll see what Tariq Smith can do.
2: I also disagree with those three picks being on there. I yeah. don't disagree with the general premise that the Seahawks struggle with defensive linemen. The best defensive linemen they've drafted were Jaron Reed, and I want to say 2016 maybe, and Frank Clark in yep. 2015. Neither with the team. Both your best players you've ever drafted for the defensive right. line. So you have really struggled there. To be fair, uh, in fact, your best defensive lineman uh, under Pete Carroll might be free agents. So not great stuff. Uh, all right, coming up: Patrick Mahomes' teammate shared his maybe unsanitary game day routine, and an MLB star still wants a trade. We'll tell you what you need to know next.
1: This is the timeline with Bump and Stacy, brought to you by One Eight Hundred DUI Away.
2: The timeline on Bump and Stacy reading you the top stories you're going to see on your own timeline. So let's get to it. You know, we were just talking about the Pac-12. That's where our first story is going to take us. Fox Sports CEO Eric Shanks was asked about his network's interest in adding the Pac-12. Here's what he had to say.
1: What about the Pac-12? You have interest there? Uh, you know, I think again
3: we're really we've we've set our strategy, and I think we're really content. Um, and able to be opportunistic. So if there was something opportunistically with the Pac-12, but you know now that we have the Big Ten and the Big Twelve done, um, I think we're content with with where we are. And if something came up, you know, definitely look at it.
2: I don't like that long pause. I don't it took like, like it. three seconds. I don't like answering. it. I don't like it. it. That's exactly what we all do when someone asks us a question, and we know they aren't going to like the answer, or we know we don't want to answer. We do that. Um. Mm. Uh. Yeah. Good question. Um. He said, "No, nah, I'm good. Yeah,
4: I'm good. I mean, he
2: said no. He said no. Thank you.
4: You dub. Nah, no, ma'am. not really. or No, ma'am. Nah, Utah. No, nah, we're good. You know, we got other things lined up right now. So the Pac-12 doesn't really offer us the same type of. It doesn't stimulate us the same way these other programs and conferences do. Which is if you have any idea of what, how. The Pac 12 is perceived nationally. That should let you know That's right it now. Right there. But Nigel made a good point, too. He goes, There's a lot of talent over here. There's some things that can happen this year to kind of change the way people view the Pac. But with UCLA, USC leaving, this is the type of reaction you get.
2: I like him mentioning Deion Sanders, too, when he was here. Do you know how many articles I've seen specifically about Deion Sanders, whether it's in GQ, The Athletic, uh, wherever, ESPN features? Yeah, Hella, There are Hella Extremely (laughs) articles being written about Deion Sanders right now. You want to talk about a moment where you could capture things. I know we've been talking about a football series that was scheduled for 2024 and 25, but in just 2023, I mean, you have a chance to really make noise. You're going to have an uphill battle in terms of competing with the other power or five conferences, mm-hmm. but still you have a chance to have some intrigue here for the first time in a while.
4: The thing with Dion, they're not going to win a lot of games this first year. What he has to do is put a product out there that the rest of the coaches in the league respect. Yeah. Like they're going to come out, they're going to hit you, they're going to play hard, they're going to be disciplined. Because he's not going to win a lot of games the first year.
2: All right. Uh next up in the timeline, let's head to uh college sports here. Minnesota Gophers, head football coach, PJ Fleck went all out and pumping up the Minnesota Wild crowd on Wednesday night.
1: Wild fans, please welcome the head coach of the University of Minnesota
3: football team, P.J. Flack. Take it away, coach. Wild!
2: I'm here for His it. His face is finally! so red when he's
0: doing this. Finally! You know what I thought about?
4: The Rock. When he goes, finally! The Rock has come back. And then he names the city that he's back. Yeah. He gave me some WWE feels oh, during that. Ex-
2: a thousand percent. Yeah. I, that's absolutely what I heard. It's, finally! I'm with that. Finally! I like Minnesota wild fans. Are you ready to get Wild.
4: Ready to go wild. Yeah, I just, it's,
2: Keep it simple. You know what I mean? <laughs> Don't make it too complicated. Uh, all right, let's head to the NFL here. I mentioned that Patrick Mahomes' teammate uh, says that Patrick Mahomes maybe has an unsanitary game day tradition. Now, I, I used unsanitary loosely here. I think it's kind of weird, but athletes are superstitious people. Chad Henney revealed Patrick Mahomes wears the same pair of lucky underwear for every game.
3: He has to have a certain thing each and every day he comes in, he does his work, his notes are written out of a certain way, the same pair of underwear, which probably not a lot of people know on game day. He's been wearing it since uh, uh, I've been a part of it. This will definitely be a light and be like, what the hell are you checking my underwear out? But <laughs> there's, there's things that I've seen that nobody else has seen. Um, and But his preparation is unbelievable, how he goes about it. Wait, but let's not bury the lead here, Chad. You mentioned he's wearing the same pair of underwear. So he signs this half a billion dollar contract and he's still wearing the same pair of underwear throughout his entire career? Sunday, only on Sundays. So Sunday, it's the same pair. Obviously, it's a different outfit. But yeah, ever since I've known him. This will be funny for us to (laughs) go about Like, dude, what are you doing? Checking out my underwear? But... Well, just things that I've seen that nobody else has
2: seen. Is it Patrick Mahomes or is it the underwear? I mean, this could be like a case of Samson's hair kind of thing. Like, what happens if Patrick Mahomes doesn't wear the underwear bump? What if it's not the Patrick Mahomes we know?
4: Let me Let me clear it up. There's no way he's not washing those underwear, though. It's not like socks. where I've seen some dudes who don't wash their socks and wear the same socks. Sure. There's no way he is not washing those he's underwear. He's absolutely
2: washing them, but what I worry about is one day during the long career that he is sure to have, those underwear will not be wearable underwear, and then what?
4: Nah, he's dry cleaning them things, man. He's, he's, taking, he's taking care of Patrick Mahomes of
0: is to the level of wealth where he doesn't need to wear the same pair of underwear twice. Like he could just buy new. But this underwear. is his clearly
2: there's his lucky thing. underwear. Everyone like has their
4: thing. Everyone has their thing. What I used was to your thing? I used to tape my left pinky and not tape the rest of them just for good luck. Because I dislocated it. Yeah. So then I started taping it and, and then, then, then you had like a I good started game. balling. And then I'm like, Okay, I'm always gonna tape that pinky.
2: Curtis, do you do a superstitious thing? Uh I mean, no. we're not athletes, yeah. so I don't really.
0: No, I don't do this <laughs> whole
2: thing of like, you know, yeah. I turn my light off. When and I on press eight the times. buttons
0: on here, I don't think there's any, uh, you know, forces at play. Uh, yeah, I don't have any superstitions um, when it comes to work. Let me or anything. just
2: add on to this story, though. Chad Henne, how dare you? I mean, Chad Henney's walking away from football. He's able to retire, go off into the sunset after winning a Super Bowl. If I'm Patrick Mahomes, I am calling him immediately following that interview, going, "Why do you got to put me on blast, Chad?
0: He's and he just retired. He's <laughs> like, he's <"Jet's> like <laughs> I'm out I of here.
2: Now. I don't have to do anything. Let's head to MLB for our next story. Pirates outfielder Brian Reynolds, you guys remember him being linked to the Mariners via trade rumors, was asked about his trade request and whether his situation with Pittsburgh is resolved. Here's what he said.
0: Uh, I mean, not getting too much into it. I think just a difference in opinion is, I don't know, I guess what we viewed my worth as the player, I guess.
1: And, yeah, well, that's where we ended up. Has that been resolved to some degree? Given that you're here, or is it, towards the request still stand?
0: I mean, no, nothing, nothing's really changed from that, you know, that front. But um, I want to get down here early
4: and, you know, get to work.
2: Does that sound like a happy player to you, Bump?
4: Nah, that, that, that sounds like a dude who's dreading every minute of his existence in that organization. <laughs> that sounds like
2: a man who loves being a Pittsburgh Pirate.
4: Man, who, who's loved, who's ever loved being a Pittsburgh Pirate?
2: I mean I'm sure some people and at some maybe point. Maybe
4: Barry at one point he was balling. Nah, he wanted
0: out of there too. Did he for San Francisco. Roberto Clemente, like that was sure. you know fifty years ago.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Great time. It's been a
0: it's been a minute.
2: Yeah. Uh he is not happy to be with Pittsburgh. Nah. However, do you see him on the move at all? I mean the Pittsburgh wasn't the issue that Pittsburgh wanted just i know he's a star but just way too much for him
4: they they try to deplete our pitching staff yeah for that dude they were right like now. yeah if
2: you could give us everyone kirby hancock you
4: know just um, Munoz, throw Munoz in there muñoz throw, throw
2: muñoz you know? yeah. <laughs> yeah if you could just add him in we just we think that you know brian is so good you should definitely give us everyone you have and uh, seattle fairly said no thanks no we're gonna pass on that one uh all right next up here in the timeline i got two more stories let me see if i can go through here um Bump, you have a Wikipedia page. Do you know that? I'm aware. Have you ever tried to go on there and not edit anything? Ever. Okay, well, then Goodness you uh, are not like former MLB umpire Joe West, who was caught editing his own <laughs> Wikipedia page. Um, I am very upset uh, that I don't have a Wikipedia page. Uh, however, I would do what Joe West did. So from Awful Announcing, uh, they said Wikipedia user Crew Chief 22. Tried to make edits to Joe West's Wikipedia page. Those edits were rejected because they, quote, did not appear to be constructive. This was crew chief's response. Uh, For anyone curious, Joe West's umpire number is 2022. Uh, There is some um, expletives on here, so I'm going to try to read them very carefully. Uh, Anyways... uh, the uh the person who's commenting is very upset they said reinstate what i wrote or erase the entire page i'm tired of correcting your lies (laughs) if you aren't going to leave my page alone please remove it completely so he's open about like this is my page (laughs) i don't need anyone knowing anything about me and i certainly don't need anyone reading things that are not true i mean you know what now i need to go look at joe west page what is joe west saying isn't true
4: i've looked at my wiki and uh it's pretty accurate it's pretty accurate. Why
0: he would wanted to know? remove a lot of like negative things that were put on his page, like you know this guy blew a call in you know the but 90s if you blew a call World series or like he was he was known as uh, a guy who didn't have a very consistent strike zone or something like yeah. that. Yeah. that's what he was editing is things that he didn't agree with. But it's like I don't know, Joe. You weren't that great of an umpire and you were out there for a long time. You kind of made games about yourself a lot.
2: He also made a legal threat after edits weren't allowed. He said, um, uh, da, da, da da. I need your name and address so I can give it to my lawyer when he files charges against Wikipedia. You are putting Wikipedia in a very compromising position from Joe West, Crew Chief 2022, or <laughs> Screw Chief 22. I do not blame anyone. For seeing public stuff about them and being defensive, especially if it's not true. It sounds like this is just stuff Joe West doesn't like, as opposed to it not being true. But hey, it's a Wikipedia page about you. If I saw one about me that had stuff that I fundamentally thought was false, maybe it'd feel differently. Uh, All right. If you miss any part of the show, make sure you're subscribed. Curtis, I know that you had this last story in here. Uh, I'm going to jump to it. Should I jump to it at the beginning of our next segment? Sure. I know you were excited about this one because it was in here twice. I got one more story in the timeline I didn't get to that's a really cool story. Uh, I'm going to begin our next segment with it, even though what we're really going to talk about is the latest from Mariners. President of Baseball Ops, Jerry Depoto, who was on with Brock and Salk this morning. Don't go anywhere.
1: Bumpin' Stacy.
2: Powered through the Alaska Airlines
0: Studios on Seattle Sports. Here are your hosts, Michael Bumpus and Stacey Ross.
2: All right, the latest from Jerry DePoto coming up in just one minute. Before then, there's a story we didn't get to yesterday that I wanted to spend just a couple minutes on because it's really cool. What do we love in Sports Bump? Stories. This is one of them. 33-year-old full-time real estate agent, Matia Pekocic, uh, beat former world top 10 Jack Stock sock at the ATP's Delray Beach Open in his tour debut. So he's kind of like a essentially a part-time player. He's no slump. Um, he was ranked uh, around a thousand
4: 750 some
2: yeah um, and then went to Princeton because uh, one of the head coaches saw his tape and uh, then a DVD he's born in 1989 and was like great welcome come on to the team and he ended up being phenomenal like he was their best player by far was as high as number 20 uh, number two in the college ranks and um, was particularly adept at beating other Ivy League players like he was he was great in college so he goes from being unknown to being great at Princeton to then getting a business degree and being like, okay, I'm I'm not pursuing this full time. Mm-hmm. Uh, COVID hits; it also throws a wrench into his plans. Um, so then uh, he still plays tennis despite working essentially a, a nine to five job, uh, and he he qualifies uh, for um, for the uh, Delray Beach Open. Um, still goes to work the following uh, Monday, and then on Tuesday evening is when he upset former top 10 star Jack Sock to reach the second round. It's just a cool story. It's a great story. It's a really cool story. 33
4: years old. He's a director at a real estate investment firm. My guy was ranked 784. He said he left at work early to compete. He had to send in an email to his boss Just and say, hey, you know what?
2: Out of office message. I'm
4: going to go win a, a, a match over here.
2: Hey, I'm in a professional tennis tournament. Uh, will not be available. Be available by phone. Please only call for emergencies.
4: He even said he trained with his boss. His boss is like 60 years old. He trains with him. He also trains with a guy who's 50 years old. He says he finds creative ways to train. when you When this isn't your full-time job, I'm sure you do. So you know what this does? Every dad who played quarterback back in the 90s is warming up their arm (laughs) right now.
2: Hey. It's my time. It's
4: time to shine. It's my baby. time. I've hey, been waiting. I live I live for this. Thirty-three years old, you're I back know. in the game. Let's go. Not
2: only that, but he's just got a really cool story. Like his uh he taught his father was a surgeon uh who was raising like two kids and they were in Croatia and had to flee during um like a war and then ended up uh in the States and it's just it's it really is a movie. Like I am yeah. waiting for for the movie of this to happen. It's not about going on and winning the tournament. It's just about someone who gets their plan sidelined a couple times and ends up bouncing back. That's what we love about sports.
4: 253, you are exactly right. They say this will be bumped when he wins his first local amateur golf tourney. Most definitely. Yes,
2: absolutely. Working on it now. Oh, God. Shooting that 77. Let me tell Same you what. Seven. Mariners president of baseball operations, Jerry DePoto, was on with Brock and Salk this morning. Had plenty to say about this team as we head into spring training. Pitchers and catchers report today, by the way. So let's get started. He talked about the variety in the rotation. Well,
3: I mean, the variety is nice to have, you know, but, you know, that being said, there's, it's, it's nice to have when they're all good at it. <laughs> and, and I think they, you know, they all, they're, they're all very good at what they do and, you And I think that, you know, it's having something different, a different flavor, a different look with each day. And, you know, if you're playing those three or four game series, you know, it's why we've always said it's very hard to win four game series.
2: This starting rotation has come so far that someone who was previously your ace years later is now a guy who may not even have a spot. Right. You may just try to trade him and Marco Gonzalez and. That's not a bad thing. I mean, obviously, fans love Marco. The team loves Marco. But the point is that they have so much talent. Two young arms with George Kirby and Logan Gilbert. um, And then two elite, uh, more longtime starters in Robbie Ray and Luis Castillo. Obviously, you still got Marco in there. You have such a great group. And you're getting started hitting the ground running because everyone's healthy.
4: Man, you got your old heads. You got Robbie with the grunt. You got Castillo with the fix in his cap and the dreads, mm-hmm. the veterans. You got your young guys in Colt uh, and Kirby and Gilbert. You have your dude who throws straight gas and Munoz. You got Brash with apparently one of the greatest sliders known to man. I mean, you, you gotta love this, man. It, it gives you, and variety gives you opportunity. It gives different looks to batters mm-hmm. and, uh, it allows it to stay fresh. So I love this staff, man. That's, Probably what I'm looking forward to most is to seeing – how Julio is going to be as yes. a bona fide star in this league. Yeah. And then can this staff repeat what they've done the last couple of years?
2: All right. Well, uh, they are now heading into spring training after having some of their off-season training. Jerry Depoto, a former pitcher himself, talked about how off-season training for position players or pitchers is just so different now compared to where it was when he was playing. Drastically
3: different is the easy answer there. And I, I've, I've had this conversation with a lot of players from you know from my era and, and even players from before it. and and I would like to think that this is the logical way to to look at, at what's happening in Major League Baseball today. The best, most physically prepared players that have ever played are probably playing today. <laughs> it's a they they have more at their disposal, the technologies, the you know the frankly the you know the, the gift of you know, where the game has has gone economically has allowed them to to spend their off-seasons 24-7 training for the 162-game baseball season.
2: Now, this is more of a step-back kind of existential conversation about baseball, but he's not wrong, and it's really fascinating to hear it from someone who, while a GM, excuse me, not a GM, while formerly a GM, was formerly a player.
4: Yeah, this is what is supposed to happen. Guys understand their bodies more. There's more information. There's more analysis and data. You see it in all sports, and no, I appreciate it. <laughs> you know, it's it's most evident to me, like the change in preparation in sports like baseball and golf. Because you had guys dominate those sports who did not lift a weight, who didn't train that way, and they went out and they did their thing. So now once the trend starts to to catch on and people start to separate themselves naturally, not with the PEDs and yeah. all that stuff, um, you it forces everyone to do the same thing, and it just makes the sport that much better. So... It's great information, great insight, and it's it's the truth.
2: Well, and there's so much information and also technology being used to advance players, right? That just mm-hmm. wasn't available previously. I mean, we talk about changes in in how football players train or how they prep or just what they look like, and a lot of it is just that guys are getting started sooner. Guys are just bigger, stronger, faster. Uh, programs are more advanced. You know what I mean? Like you're getting, um, you know, like pro skills at a younger age. All that stuff. With baseball, it's almost like they just have more tools at their disposal, more weapons to try to analyze everything you're doing. Let's look at your swing. Let's break everything down. And it's just stuff that you know. while there wasn't as readily available.
4: When I was a kid in all sports, to get better you went out to the park and you played with your boys. Right. Every now and then you had a guy who was a trainer who had a trainer. But for the most part, you just went to the park and played. Now, you have facilities everywhere dedicated to training these kids. Giving them data right now. Instant satisfaction. Instant feedback. And that's going to do nothing but grow this game. So uh, I'm here for it. And imagine what these guys are going to look like 10 years from now. I can wait, but imagine what
2: they're going to look like 10 years from now. Well, let's imagine what these guys, that being the 2023 Seattle Mariners, are going to look like in just a couple months when the season starts. Jason Churchill, host of the Baseball Things podcast, is going to join us to talk about what he loves and is questioning about this Mariners team right now. That's next.